Pastor Xavier Reese says judgment for false teachers won't be pretty, but it is certain. You know, there was a time when being a member of the Nazi party and to have your name on their roll was identified with prominence, wealth, position. Today, such is not the case. And so all these false teachers, when they're in their peak, when they're in their glory, oh, they parade themselves. But when they stand before God, it's not going to be a very popular thing. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Scripture tells us there's nothing new under the sun, and when it comes to false teaching, the Apostle Peter warns, not only has heresy abounded from the first centuries, but so will God's judgment for its propagation. And in the conclusion of a study titled, Popularity of False Teachers, Pastor Xavier explains, though lucrative false doctrines seemingly prosper, it's the simple truths of God's Word that will prevail. Second Peter, chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Now Peter tells us in these three verses of chapter 2, he gives us four important truths about false teachers by way of warning, and mark that well. It is by way of warning. First he says, they shall be among you. In verse 1. Then he says, they shall have great followings. In verse 2. Thirdly, they shall have ulterior motives. Verse 3. And fourth and last, they shall certainly perish. The last portion of verse 1 and the last portion of verse 3. Peter first says that they shall be among you. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them. Mark it well, they shall be among you. You see, they're right in the midst of you and myself. There's a stern warning for you. Mark these three things. First, they infiltrate the church, who will secretly bring in. The word bring in means to bring alongside truths, false teaching. It's a metaphor that is used for a spy or a traitor. And that's a good picture to have of these people. Traitors. Secondly, they contaminate the flock. Destructive heresies. The word heresies means choice or opinion. If you study it and, and trace it through the New Testament, it is used for the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and it just simply meant sex, different opinion. But by the time you get down to 110 A.D., Ignatius was already using the word heresy identified totally with false teaching. And primarily, that's the definition and the understanding of the word today. When we say heresy, we're not talking about just a choice. We're talking about false teaching. So they infiltrate the church, they contaminate the flock. But thirdly, they deny the Lord who bought them. Mark that well, underline that. They deny the Lord who bought them. You were purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Precious, Peter says. Paul says, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price to Corinthians. You're his possession. But secondly, Peter says, they shall have great following. In verse 2, people assume that what is popular is correct. Wrong. What's popular is not always correct. The few, many call few chosen. Remnant of Israel, not the majority of Israel. 
The false prophet always outnumbered the true prophets. False teachers always outnumbered the true teachers. Because we live in a fallen world. And this is Satan's domain. Please understand that. People believe that it's right because it is taught from the pulpit. What a snare. Because it's being taught from the pulpit doesn't mean it's of God. It doesn't mean it's biblical truth. They may be using the Bible. But if it's not being taught in context, in the language, in the historical background, so that you can understand what the meaning was for that day and then make practical application, then the truth is not being taught. And you know why they have big followings also? Because they make allowances for your sin. What is the big movement today? Unity and love. Let's just love one another. Let's all unite. We're not all brothers. We're not all sisters. And they're doing this at the expense of doctrine. Whenever you throw out doctrine and you embrace unity and love without the parameters of Scripture, it doesn't take long before the, the, that becomes perverted. That love and that unity will become perverted and self-centered. The thing that keeps me on track is the borders of the Scriptures. I'm all for unity in the body of Christ. I'm all for love in the body of Christ. But not at the sake of doctrine. No way. So these are just some of the reasons why they will have great followings. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.3 that there would come a time when they would not endure sound doctrine and they would heap up teachers who would give them exactly what they want. People want to hear how good they are. People want to hear how they have a divine right. <laughs> but they don't want to hear about their divine responsibility. They want to ignore that. Thirdly, Peter says that they shall have ulterior motives. Mark this well. Mark it well. The motive of a true believer and a true teacher is the love of God and the concern of the believer. I am not here for you to minister to me. I'm here to minister to you. And hopefully you're here to minister to others. But if you look at men who teach false doctrine, the center of their ministry is always them. Peter gives us these false teachers God. Mark it well there. God is covetousness. Verse 3. The word is a desire to have more and possess what he has no right to possess. Literally, in covetousness. Study the Old Testament through Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah. It's that passion to possess anything and everything and more. And false teachers usually become very, very wealthy. As a matter of fact, they use that as an evidence of their spirituality. Titus 1.11 says they teach things they ought not for dishonest gain and whose mouth must be stopped. Paul tells Timothy, men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that godliness is gain, suggesting that the source of gain is evidence of godliness. Let me propose to you that the basic premise of the positive confession movement of Fred Price, Hagen, and Copeland is exactly that. You know what? The only ones getting rich is them. 
Not the people. But the people love it so. The love of money is the root of all evil, Paul says to Timothy. Covetousness is the sin of idolatry, he tells the Colossians. We all need things, but we shouldn't be preoccupied with things, Jesus said. This is what the Gentiles do. Where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so they center on things, not people. That's their God, covetousness. Then Peter gives us their gab. Their gab is deceptive words. They speak so smooth. The word deception is to mold. We get our word plastic. I like that. They speak plastic words. They'll shape them to whatever shape they need to be shaped. And they use that to have you be in awe of them. And they take you in. And then they can do what they want with the word. They hold their seminars and charge you fifty, a hundred dollars for it. Teach you how to heal. They go home pretty wealthy. Where in the world do we get in the scriptures that we can heal? We can learn how to heal. Or teach others to heal. The scriptures tell me that's a gift of God that He gives to an individual, if such is the case. And yet, God's people believe it. And they love it so. The Old Testament promises, and they love it so. Computerized letters. Dear Mr. Calvary Chapel, as I was praying this morning, I was thinking of you. And they start laying this heavy trip. And then they get to the bottom line and say, We're in desperate need. And I believe God has spoken to me that you are to go out and borrow money. And I believe God will honor your faith and supply the means to pay it. Well, why doesn't God save himself some trouble and just have you have the faith? Deceptive words. Woe to those men who have abused and misrepresented God. And have communicated a different gospel. Woe to them. I don't say that with any reservation. I don't say it properly. I say it because it's truth. If you're able to see those people behind the scenes, what you see is not what you get. And they're fleecing the flock of God. It's interesting that both the deceiver and the deceived are, are not Christ-centered, but they're self-centered. They have no stability. Centered on self. Me, 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 me. I, I, I. Middle letter of sin. I. Sin. It'll kill you. Paul says, they serve not the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own bellies. And by smooth words... And flattering speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. And so we have their God, we have their gab. Here's their goal. They desire to make merchandise of you. The word exploit means to trade or to traffic. To import for sale. We get our word emporium from it. So when you go to Builder's Emporium, you know what you're doing. <laughs> you're going to do trade. 
You see, they want to merchandise you. They want to tell you about their visions. And how God has called them to do this. And then they want you to flip the bill. Now let's distinguish between that and our responsibility to give to God what belongs to God where God sends us. That's our privilege and responsibility. But don't let these men lay a big trip on you and move you through all kinds of emotional things. And they're building their ministries. I'm going to go up to my tower and I'm not going to come down until I receive a million dollar check. Oh, I wish to God nobody would have sent that check. Yeah, God sent her to write the guy with a small g. The God of this world. And that man was right on at one time. Godly man. Swept away by all these heretics of Potter's Confession. Oral Roberts. Heavy. Heavy. The Bible says we're to feed the flock of God, not fleece it. Now you know our policy here. We believe a God guys He provides. And we take an offering, and that's your privilege to give to God, and this is where God has brought you. But you need to know what's going on with the money. You need to be able to see that God is working. You, be able, you need to be able to see that, that God is, is in that ministry. If you're just saying, well, I give my tenth, I give my whatever it is. And you're kind of saying, well, that's it, I've done my duty. You're wrong. God will hold you responsible for giving that money where you gave it. You need to know that that ministry is right on. And if it isn't, if it's abusing the money, God will hold you responsible because you're being a bad steward of God's money. That's not your money, that's God's money. Now you always have people try to merchant that. Right now we're getting a big request on a lot of Spanish tapes because there's not that many people that are teaching Spanish studies. So we've got about 300 tapes. And so people are calling us up for libraries. Down The guy just called from Guatemala. He's going to be coming down. There's another guy that's um, going to Colombia, different things. And, and so, you know, and we're getting to a point where we've got to find out because and we give them permission to duplicate them if they're going to give them away. But they better not sell them. But I know that somebody will because people are always after money. But all I do is I try to warn and then I leave it in the hands of God. People will always try to merchandise people. I don't think any generation in the whole history of Christianity has been merchandised more than this generation. We got Jesus rings, Jesus shoes, Jesus shirts. I don't mean that any, none, none of that should be going on, but I'm just saying that they don't all have right motives. You know, just like a young man who is attempting to seduce a young lady, he comes off so shiny. Oh, yes, let me open the door for you. Oh, yeah, this and that. He's a listener. He's attentive, you know, and he's just, oh, he this, that. And all he wants to do is seduce her physically. Now, he begins from day one to seduce her, but she doesn't know. And every day he gets closer and closer and closer to the point to where he actually is there seducing her. And she is blowing her mind that it's even happening but it's been so subtle and so progressive. That's what happens to Christians. Who is Peter warning? Christians. The non-believer cannot be deceived. He's spiritually dead. He's already deceived. Awesome.
But Peter caps it off by saying, they shall certainly perish. The end of verse 1, the end of verse 3. First, by their own doing. He says there at the end of verse 1, and bring on themselves swift destruction. Isn't it interesting? They destroy themselves, first of all. They bring upon themselves swift destruction because they teach false. They bring in destructive heresies. They deny the Lord. They allow for the flesh and sin. They cause the truth to be evil spoken of. They're covetous. They're feigned words. They merchandise God's people. You know, I am always shocked when people come in and they tell me about things that are going on in other churches. Where fornication is not really talked down. It's permitted. Where um, pastor has affairs and everybody knows it. No big deal. Where, I mean, there are some rotten things going on in some of our churches around here. And they all do it under the name of God. I'm amazed. I mean, I should and I read it and I know it, but then when I hear it, I go, Man, don't they fear God? Apparently not. They have chosen to exercise their free moral agent of the decision to live contrary to the truth. Where are you at this morning? Are you exercising your will to live contrary to the truth? Or are you doing your best to live in the truth? You see, I won't follow you around. Nobody will. But God sees everything. And if you're playing games, if you're deceiving people, your sin will find you out. Sooner or later. God, God is in no hurry to judge you. You're going to get it. Believe me. It's a matter of time. He's in no hurry. He lives in the eternal present. Sometimes we're saying, well, i got to get over it because I want to get him. You know, God's kicking back. Eternal present. You will face him. These false teachers will face him. Nothing will escape in that day. It is certain. He says that destruction is swift. And here destruction implies the loss of eternal life, eternal misery, perdition. But not only by their own means do they destroy themselves and perish, but he says... They perish by God's doing. The end of verse 3. For a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. In other words, judgment will come. God is not idle. God's in no hurry. They will stand before Christ. The word judgment here is the word krima, 28 times in the New Testament. It means condemnation of wrong, the decision. The process or the act of judging which are passed on the faults of others. That process of judgment will take place. And every one of these false teachers who have ripped you off will give an account to God. All these guys that cry in front of the TV and their tears are phony, God's going to wipe them off their face because they deceive. Judgment will come. You know, it's easy to manipulate people. It really is. Real easy. You have to be careful. Revelations 20, verse 11 through 15, gives us a picture of the white throne judgment. 
Anybody who reads that has to fall on their face and cry and say, Lord, help me to warn people to flee from the wrath to come. If you ever stand before the white throne judgment, that's when you give an account to God. The sea gave up the dead, hell gave up the dead, and every man stood before God. And God judged them out of the books, and He cast them into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Eternal separation from God. That is not a pretty picture. But it is a picture that is certain. It will happen. Jude prophesied, Jude 14 through 15, about Enoch, the seventh from Adam. Prophesied of the coming of the Lord with 10,000 of His saints to execute judgment upon the ungodly. False teachers. You see, judgment must begin at the house of God, Peter has already told us. And the scriptures teach us very clearly that our sin will find us out. You know, there was a time when being a member of the Nazi party and to have your name on their roll was identified with prominence, wealth, position. Today, such is not the case. And so all these false teachers, when they're in their peak, when they're in their glory, oh, they parade themselves. But when they stand before God, it's not going to be a very popular thing. I guarantee you. And so remember, Peter is dying. And he feels that these four truths about false teachers are very important. And he wants you to remember them. He wants you to mark them. Now be careful of judging everything. Just because the church is big, then it's teaching wrong. No. Or because the church is small, that means it's good. No. What is being taught? Does it line up with scripture? Are they feeding God's flock or are they fleecing God's flock? Are they manipulating people or are they ministering unto people? Those are key questions. False teachers shall be among you. We should count on it. False teachers shall have great followings, so we shouldn't be surprised. False teachers shall have ulterior motives. We need to recognize this. Not everybody is sincere and transparent. False teachers shall certainly perish. We can rest in this. God knows. And so I warn you, as Peter warned these believers, I give to you what Peter gave to these believers. That you may walk in the Spirit. That you may be grounded and rooted in the Word. That you may put on the mind of Christ. And be able to discern false teachers from true teachers. Not by your feelings. Not by your emotions. Not by the results of their ministry. But by the Word of God. What they teach. And if you do that, you're going to be a tremendous soldier of the cross. And you're going to be a mighty instrument in the hand of God. 
Like the banker who detects the counterfeit by familiarity with genuine currency, intimate knowledge of God's Word is the best safeguard against false doctrine. Pastor Xavier Reese draws our time for today together to a close. Now, today's study is simply titled, Popularity of False Teachers, and is available on CD for just $4. Everything we shared last time will be included as well, so it makes a convenient way to study the message more in-depth and then pass on to someone else you know. The title to ask for once more is, Popularity of False Teachers, or just mention today's date when you get in touch. And you can address your request to, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, help us by including the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. And then more Simple Truths headed your way right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Hope you'll tell a friend and join us then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 